With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Happy Mid-Autumn Festival to all of our listeners. If any of you have not gotten your fill from all those mooncakes, the traditional celestial pastry served around this time of year, well, you can still feast on some juicy stories from the world's second largest economy. A quick preview of the menu. We'll be hearing how U.S.-China tensions have once again been simmering this week over issues related to Taiwan and a controversial Trump-era policy. Apple is aiming to win over Chinese customers with cheaper smartphones. Meanwhile, social media platforms have been ordered to promote so-called positive content. But first, some news on Evergrande. Public records show that the chairman of the troubled property giant, Hui Kaiyan, has stepped down as director of a company that owns a luxury house in Hong Kong. The move is being closely watched by Evergrande creditors as the Hong Kong-listed real estate giant is struggling to raise cash to repay a huge pile of debt some of which it has already defaulted on. Some creditors have already applied with courts to freeze its assets. The property is located on Hong Kong Island's Black Link Trail, along which there are wealthy communities with a number of similar villas and expansive views. According to market watchers, its value is estimated at about 800 million Hong Kong dollars, or just over 100 million U.S. dollars. In other big business news, Apple is looking to bolster its tight grip on China's high-end smartphone market with the launch of cheaper iPhones with more storage capacity as smartphone makers vie to fill the void left by Huawei. On September 14th, the U.S. tech giant unveiled its iPhone 13 series. Among them are the Mini, Pro, and Pro Max versions, with prices starting from the equivalent of roughly $800 to about $1,400. The four models come in at about $50 to $80 cheaper than their counterparts in the iPhone 12 series launched last year. According to the research firm IDC, the low price strategy could help Apple win the hearts of more Chinese consumers, especially as the cost of upscale models powered by the Android operating system sold in the country has risen over the last five quarters. IDC did not specify the average price for upscale Android handsets. 
China has pledged to better protect women's and children's rights. In particular, Beijing has committed to eliminating workplace gender discrimination and strengthening protection of minors. That's according to the latest Human Rights Action Plan issued by China's cabinet. The State Council document, which sets targets for the period from 2021 to 2025, contains more detail on the protection of women's and children's rights compared with the previous plan. It includes measures to guarantee equal employment rights, alleviate the burden of child rearing on women, crack down on crimes against minors, and prevent juvenile delinquency. The document is the fourth human rights action plan issued by the State Council since 2009. Now let's talk about the coronavirus's latest casualty. Last week, Samsung Heavy Industries announced plans to terminate staff as it intends to shut down the operation by the end of the year. In a letter to employees, the company said the COVID-19 pandemic caused serious difficulties for the business. Workers have protested the abrupt decision to shutter its 26-year-old Ningbo shipyard, demanding greater compensation as the South Korean company retreats from a low-profit operation. Thousands of the employees gathered at the site, demanding more severance pay. Now moving from disgruntled workers to disgruntled academics, a group of Stanford University professors have urged the U.S. Department of Justice to end a Trump-era criminal enforcement program targeting Chinese nationals and Chinese American scholars. The professors argue that the policy reflects racial profiling. In an open letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, 177 Stanford faculty members demanded termination of the so-called China Initiative. Launched in late 2018, the program was framed as combating economic espionage, intellectual property theft, and other threats associated with China. It later broadened into U.S. academics with a focus on researchers with China origins. However. The Stanford academics write in the letter that the policy led to a significant increase of investigations and prosecutions of researchers with Chinese backgrounds, with most cases unrelated to intellectual property theft or scientific or economic espionage. The China Initiative has long raised concerns among Asian American civil rights groups, especially those of Chinese Americans. Since the Biden administration took office, they have strongly pushed the White House to end the policy. In the meantime, Beijing has called the Trump-era program a quote tool for anti-China forces in the U.S. to abuse the concept of national security to contain and suppress China. And that's not the only source of tension between the world's two biggest economies. Last week, China's foreign ministry warned the United States against recognizing a change of the name of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office in Washington to the Taiwan Representative Office. Beijing regards the move as a violation of the One China policy. The Biden administration is said to be "quote unquote" seriously considering the renaming at the request of Taiwan authorities. That's according to a report in the Financial Times. The FT report added that senior U.S. and Taiwanese officials had held in-person talks earlier this month in Annapolis, Maryland. In reaction to the news, the Chinese Foreign Ministry has called on Washington to abide by the one-child principle. And stop all forms of official exchanges or elevating substantive relations with Taiwan. 
There have also been some striking developments in China's social media sphere. An entertainment industry group has urged online platforms, including giants Sina Weibo and Baidu's online video streamer iQiyi, to direct traffic to so-called positive content rather than unethical stars. The move comes as China steps up its scrutiny of the country's showbiz industry and fan cultures. The state-backed China Association of Performing Arts made the request after summoning representatives from 14 platforms, including the social media giant ByteDance's news aggregator Jinri Toutiao and video sharing site Bilibili, for a meeting. Following the meeting, the entertainment industry group said that the platforms pledged to take more measures to quote support content that actively promotes core socialist values and traditional Chinese culture. End quote. According to the association's statement, the platform said that they will adopt recommendation systems that will factor content conducive to constructing a spiritual civilization into their algorithms. The statement adds that this will end the previous practice whereby traffic was used as a key recommendation criterion. Let's turn now to Caixin Global financial news reporter Lin Jinbing to talk about one of the week's big stories. Welcome to the show, Jinbing. Thanks for having me. Caixin recently published an explosive, in-depth story about how a fallen Chinese financial conglomerate paid billions for land in a South Korean hotspot, even though the land was just worth a third of its price. So, so before we get into this, Jinbing, perhaps you could tell us first a bit about Huarong, the conglomerate at the center of this story. Sure. So Huarong is actually the biggest of China's big four bad debt management companies. Set up by the government in 1999 to take over balance of the country's big four commercial banks, and its former chairman Lai Xiaoming was an iconic figure in China's years-long anti-corruption campaign. He was, in fact, executed in January. That's after he was convicted of accepting bribes worth nearly 1.8 billion yuan, or around. Two hundred and eighty million dollars. So this means Lai's corruption case was actually the biggest ever in China's financial sector, going back all the way to the founding of the PRC in 1949. Now, if we look back at Lai's tenure as chairman from 2012 to 2018, Huarong deviated from its original mission and embarked on an aggressive spending spree at home and abroad. This eventually left Huarong with a massive pile of its own bad debts, and this South Korean purchase is just one of the classic examples of its bad business deals. Okay, so let's talk about this purchase then. What exactly did Huarong buy, and how much did it pay? Well, what it bought was a plot of undeveloped land on Jeju Island. A popular South Korean tourist destination for Chinese vacationers, the land is about the size of New York City's Central Park. And for a number of years, the local government has wanted to turn this land into a new tourist attraction, but this hasn't happened yet. And that's something which would require a huge amount of funding. Huarong bought the entire stake of the land's owner. A company called Housing Investment. So, Housing Investment is the key company that you were 
here several times later. And Hua Zhong bought the stake through two purchases in 2016 and 2017, and the combined cost was $3.4 billion. And, and why is this purchase getting so much attention? Well, it has something to do with Hao Xing's previous owner, Yang Zhihui. The 50-year-old is a gambling tycoon and one of the most important Chinese businessmen in Jeju. He developed and operates the Jeju Xinhua World. That's an iconic resort which is home to the island's largest casino only open to foreigners. Hua Zhong's $3.4 billion actually went to the gambling tycoon, Yang. But he was not the only one who stood to benefit. Tsai Xing has found that Yang had in fact colluded with a group of Hua Zhong executives on the company's purchase of the land. Lai, then Hua Zhong's chairman, and three subordinates had planned to take nearly 10 billion yuan in bribes from Yang in the wake of the land deal. But only a portion of the bribes was actually paid. That's because Lai soon fell under Chinese government probe in April 2018. So what happened with this probe and what ultimately came of it? So in June 2018, Lai's three subordinates were investigated for graft. Then just two months later, Yang was detained in Cambodia and was investigated by Chinese authorities over suspicious business ties with Hua Zhong. He was eventually freed. Sources have told Tsai Xing that Yang ended up returning Hua Zhong about $100 million from the Jeju Island deal. So Jinbing, what do you think are the wider implications of this story, if any? So I think this is the story of how the now notorious Hua Zhong ended up paying $3.4 billion for a piece of land that is currently estimated to be worth about one-third of that price, enriching the property's previous owner and the conspiring company's executives along the way. And this particular investment exemplifies the bad business deals made by Hua Zhong underlies leadership. His record-setting corruption racked up so much debt for the state-owned bad asset manager that the Chinese government has had to promote a bailout. And in case you are wondering what's happened to Hua Zhong, well, the company is now undergoing a restructuring led by Citigroup, China's second-largest financial holding company. That is all part of a move to not only tackle Hua Zhong's internal problems, but also to diffuse the risk that the giant poses to the country's financial system. Okay, thanks for filling us in on this, Jinbing. Thanks for having me. And if our listeners are interested in reading this full piece, you can go to Tyson Global's app or website. Yes, indeed. It's a fascinating story. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. If you want to listen to our extensive back catalog of podcasts or check out more of Caixin Global's great journalism, then download our app or head online to caixinglobal.com. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.